Good morning. Good morning. Move this. Today I'm gonna read. I'm gonna read to you guys John 20, 19, 31. On the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fears of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, "Peace be with you." After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said. Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed to them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, was not with them at the time. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks on his hands, I put my finger through them and put my hand on his side. I will not believe it. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Through the doors were locked. Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen me, yet have believed. Jesus did did many other miraculous signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God and that by believing, you may have life in his name. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to gather as a community with friends and with family, uh, to hear a word from you, uh, to learn what it means to be a sent people out into the world, uh, a community gathered on Sunday morning, but more importantly, a community filled with the Holy Spirit and sent out into the world to be the healing hand. So Lord, we pray that um, you speak to us during this time, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so this morning we're going to look at what it means from this passage that Sal read to be a, a sent people into the world. Uh, but before we do that, I, I'm Ryan, and uh, I, I'm the new pastor here at Mission Hills. This is your first time. Like Larry said, I usually don't look like this. Uh, LASIK complications have not been fun this week, so it's been a weird first week. I must admit it's been a weird first week, but... Uh, in the midst of that, uh, I'm so honored and just we're super blessed to be here with you guys and to, to journey with you. And so I thought, you know, there's really not a better way on a first Sunday to, to intro, there's no delicate way to do it, than just to really get to know me a little bit better, where I'm from, uh, what my journey up to this point has been like. I've been in uh, Pasadena for the last two and a half years uh, at Fuller, and that was just a tremendous opportunity to to grow and to study there. But before that, I am from Waco, Texas. So yes, I'm a Texan, and and no, 
I'm not a Branch Davidian, so. Uh, everyone that's like under 20 has no idea what, what that even is. Uh, yeah, so not, not a Branch Davidian, but I am from Waco. And when I was a senior in high school, I was going to a church uh, that I had started going to when I was 13. And I went with a friend. We joined, uh, well, I joined him going to this youth group. And that was really the beginning of my Christian journey was, was walking through uh, junior high and high school with this uh, group of about 100 uh, students that were in this youth group. And when I was a senior in high school, uh, you know, like any senior, I just wanted to be in college. So I started, I grew up in Waco, so it's a college town, Baylor University. So I started on Sunday mornings going to a college church because, I don't know, it didn't make any sense. So I started going to University Baptist Church. It was right down the road from where I was going to youth group. So I would do Sunday school in the morning with the youth group, and then my friend and I would sneak over and go to UBC and pretend to be college students. Uh, so there was a, at the time, there was a popular uh, Christian band that played there, and I particularly enjoyed uh, listening to uh, the pastor at this church at the time named Kyle Lake. He would, he would do sermons on uh, God in the movies, uh, sermons about uh, music, and I just found it fascinating. And he just kind of opened up a new world of different ways to talk about faith, talk about God. And uh, that fall, fall of 2005, uh, late October, my friend and I didn't go, so we, we went to Sunday school, and then we went to the service at the church that we went to. And I think it was, I think it was homecoming week at Baylor, so we figured we're, we're not going to go, and you, there'll be a ton of parents there, and we would never get a seat at this small church, because it was just, it was this here, it was just an empty room, uh, and, you know, just some chairs set up, and so we didn't go. And that late October, Kyle Lake, the pastor there is on the, on the left side, he was actually uh, about to perform a baptism, was in the baptismal and moved a microphone stand while in the water and, and suffered a shock that ended up taking his life that, that day. And so, um, yeah, so I was, you know, kind of in the midst of this com community and you know, on my journey as a Christian, discovering, uh, you know, what I wanted my Christian faith to look like. And so from that point forward, um, you know, they had to shut down the church for a little while, and they met at a local uh, historic downtown theater, so I would go on Sunday mornings. I just felt connected to this community, so I would go, and, uh, you know, I was a senior, so I knew at that point I was probably going to go to Baylor. Uh, and I knew that that was the community that I wanted to be a part of. And the thing that struck me during this time of tragedy, because you think, okay, 33-year-old pastor, wife, and three young kids, there's, I mean, what do, you, what do you say? I mean, how do you deal with that as a community? And what struck me most is that they didn't offer um, answers. They didn't offer solutions. They didn't say it was God's will. They just grieved together. They just were present with each other, and they just did the hard work of faith walking through that period of time after Kyle's death. And so 
I went to UBC for uh, you know, the remainder of that year and then was there all four years while I was at Baylor. And so Kyle's uh, life, uh, his you know, message, he had a couple of uh, books. I mean, his, his life was uh, so influential for me during that time. That community is so influential for me during that time. And then uh, his death was, I mean, my life is so marked by that season uh, of my life. And so I feel like in order to, to get to know me better, you kind of, it helps to kind of know an important part of my past and what was influential to me. And there's actually a quote uh, that I've kind of just kept with me uh, that uh, was written in a book that I read uh, around that time. Uh, and I'll read the quote. It says, I, I never liked jazz music because jazz music doesn't resolve. But I was outside the Baghdad Theater in Portland one night when a man was playing the saxophone. I stood there for 15 minutes and he never opened his eyes. After that, I like jazz music. Sometimes, sometimes you have to watch somebody love something before you can love it yourself. It is as if they are showing you the way. I used to not like God because God didn't resolve. But that was before any of this happened. And I think this message really ties in well with uh, the scripture uh, that Sal read today because here we find the disciples locked in a room right after their friend, their rabbi, their life giver for the last few years has died. I mean, they've locked themselves away. I mean, the, you can only imagine the confusion, the sadness. Uh, it says the fear that they're experiencing uh, during this time. So we're going we're gonna to walk through uh, this, these few verses and... Um, yeah, we'll just pick it up in uh, verse 19. I think we have it yeah, up there. So, later on that day, the disciples had gathered together, but fearful of the Jews, they had locked all the doors in the house, and Jesus enters, stood among them, and said, peace be to you. And I think that's such a funny, it's such a funny verse because it's like, okay, they locked all the doors, and then Jesus just like, he appears just out of nowhere, just, hey guys, I can't only imagine their... Uh, their faces during that. So he shows them his hands and his side. So that's the first thing he does. He shows them his hands and his side, which to me really expresses that um, the crucifixion costs something. He, he is showing that this, these marks mean something. He doesn't come in as this kind of like ethereal, floating ghost Jesus that is sort of, you know, perfect. He still is marked by the scars of the crucifixion. So he says, uh, he shows them his hands and his side. He said, the disciples, seeing the master with their own eyes, were exuberant. Jesus says, peace to you. Just as the Father sent me, I send you. So, yeah, he is now giving this sort of, it's not a great commission. Like, you know, in the Gospel of Matthew, we see, Jesus kind of wrap it up with this formal great commission, you know, go forth, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. Here, Jesus is, he doesn't give the disciples much. He just says, uh, Father, send me, I send you, go. Uh, essentially, you know, stop, lock, stop locking yourselves in a room 
and go, go out into the community. The Father sent me. Now, all right, it's up to you. Make, make this what it is. And I th- you know, being the Gospel of John, I was thinking about the, uh, the Gospel of John has a preface. It says, uh, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then there's, it goes on down to uh, f- verse 14. And I really like the way the, uh, I think I have it here, the way the message puts this one. Uh, I don't have it. Uh, but basically it says, God put on flesh and moved into the neighborhood. Uh, that's the snippet of that verse. So Jesus is sent by God. He puts on flesh and moves into the neighborhood. And then we hear, have here, most scholars think that uh, chapter 20 in John is actually was the original ending uh, and that chapter 21 was added on. So here at the end of the Gospel of John, it's wrapping back to where John started. Jesus is, is sent in the, to the world by God, and now here at the end, Jesus is doing the same for the disciples and doing the same for us. All right, let's, let's continue. So uh, uh, the time, so he took a deep breath and breathed into them. Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive someone's sins, then they're gone for good. If you don't forgive sins, what are you going to do with them? Now, that's the message translation. I think Sal said, uh, you can forgive them or not. So, okay, Jesus says, if you don't forgive sins, then what are you going to do with them? And I think here we could get caught up in, um, like, like if Sal made fun of my eye, then I could be like, oh, like, I forgive you, Sal. You know, that's kind of, I feel like, what we a lot of times think of when we think forgiveness, but I don't really know if that goes deep enough into what Jesus would be talking about here because um, a few weeks ago, when, as we're going through uh, Lent, you, you probably remember the story where uh, Jesus is getting arrested and uh, there's like one of the servants that's arresting him and one of the disciples goes up and uh, cuts off the guy that's trying to arrest him's ear. So the guy's trying to arrest Jesus, gets his ear cut off, and what does Jesus do? He like picks it up and just puts it right back on the guy. I mean, that type of forgiveness to me is a lot more, it's a lot more difficult. It's costly. Here's a guy trying to arrest you and you're actively going and healing that person. So um, I feel like that's a more weighty image uh, whenever we think about what does it mean, what is Jesus talking about here uh, when he says, uh, you know, forgive. What what else are you going to do? But Thomas, doubting Thomas, right? Thomas, sometimes called the twin, one of the 12 disciples, was not with them. I always wonder, what was Thomas doing? Where was he? I don't... So... He was probably going to get food, I think, because they were locking themselves away, so they needed something to eat, so Thomas was out getting food. So Thomas was not with them, and he says, the other disciples, uh, he said, we saw the master, but he said, unless I see the nail holes in his hands and put my finger in the nail holes and stick my hand in his side, I won't believe it. Eight days later, the disciples were again in the room. What? Jesus just appears through a 
locked door and says, God sent me, I send you. And then eight days later, they're still in the room. I, I, I'm just kind of like, what more would you really need there? Come on, guys. So this time, though, this time Thomas was with them. And Jesus came in through locked doors again. Ah! He, st- he stands among them and says, uh, peace to you. Then he focuses his attention on Thomas and he says, take, my, take your finger and examine my hands. Take your hand and stick it in my side. Don't be unbelieving. Believe. Thomas does that. Well, it doesn't say Thomas does that, but that's an interesting. Some, some people note that Thomas, who knows if he did it. Thomas says, Master, my God. And Jesus said, so you believe, because you've seen with your own eyes, even better blessings are in store for those who believe without seeing. And then we have a closing section um, where Jesus offers, uh, or where, where John offers, sorry, a bit of a benediction for us. He says, Jesus provided far more God-revealing signs that are written down in this book. These are written down so you will believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and in the act of believing, have real, eternal life in the way he personally received it. So, let's take, let's take a break here. And I like to have a little uh, conversation, chat each time, to kind of engage a passage. So, we're, we're just going to take a really easy question here. Uh, if you were Thomas, what, what would you do? Would you be... Would you demand to see, I think we have the question out, would you demand to see the, the nail, the holes in his hands and the hole in his side, or would you, would you be okay with not? All right, talk amongst yourselves, and then we'll reconvene. All right, so what do we, what do we, what do we think? Do we have any, any people that would demand? Would anybody be fine without just totally super holy, you wouldn't need any proof? Anybody? You wouldn't need any proof? You'd be good. You'd be good. You wouldn't need his presence, yeah. Yeah. Why, why do you think the disciples, like a week later, are still, still locked in the room? Virginia mentioned that, uh, you know, there's probably a lot of j- just human nature in their fear. I mean, here they had their rab- rabbi was killed, and they're afraid that they're going to be next, and that's just uh, human nature right there. Yeah, one. Yeah, and I, I really like this, this idea of the preface of John and the idea that Jesus uh, breathes the breath of life, the, the breath of the Holy Spirit into them, and I I can't help but think that it really parallels the, uh, the creation narrative. So if you know Genesis 1, God forms man from the dust of the earth and then breathes life into uh, men and women, right? And Jesus, in a way here, is doing sort of a recreation. The disciples at this point have been formed by the life of Jesus, by being followers of Jesus, and now he is breathing in the breath of life into them after this formation and taking upon... Uh, that is our challenge today in our sending, in our benediction. And I wrote in, in the bulletin a little, bit about, um, a little bit about Kyle Lake, and one of the things that he would do is he would end each sermon and conclude each service with a benediction 
that would say, as we approach this week, may we love God, embrace beauty, and live life to the fullest. And I think that um, is a great banner for, for us to carry uh, today and, and going forward. To love God, embrace beauty, and live life to the fullest. And one of the uh, one of the, my most transformational um, trips was a trip that I took with uh, UBC to Nairobi, Kenya. And um, we're running out of time, but it's a short uh, video here, and it'll be a video of uh, a guy that I worked with there uh, named Pastor Boniface and. What the video will show is uh, a trip that we took out one morning to visit uh, kids that live on the street in Nairobi. And a lot of these kids have just been um, neglected, abandoned, and just left to, to be on their own. And they form a community of their own in Nairobi. And what they do is they use uh, glue. You'll see in the video, they'll hold uh, a glue bottle up to their mouth and it uh, gets them high and keeps them numb. And what Boniface would do, he, he goes three times a week, takes them food, uh, teaches them, uh, you know, some sort of Bible message. And then he has, over since this time, been transitioning kids uh, onto uh, a piece of property at, for a, a transition home where he teaches them, uh, you know, how to garden, how to farm, uh, all sorts of skills, and you'll see the land in this uh, in this video where it was just an open piece of land, and now there's a full home there where he transitions kids off the street uh, and back into uh, society. And it's uh, whenever I think about being sent, I can't help but think of Boniface. So let's watch this. No 
waamini katika nini? Moyo wako. Kwamba Mungu alikufufua nini? Mauti. Utakuwa umeokoka. Tumeshika. Okay, my name is Bonfas Mwalimo and uh, I'm a family man of two married to one wife and I have two children boys I have Daniel and Philip in Africa us here we trust in God but in America small children they believe there is God and uh, they know there is insurance there there is no there is anything but in Africa everything we do we trust in God even if is for food we trust in God even if is for the for the rent we trust in God for going to hospital we trust in God that's why even I go in the ministry in the downtown there when I minister to them a lot of children comes with injuries bleeding so I don't have any money to take them to the hospital but I just pray for them and uh, God heals them so that's why I say us in Africa we trust in God and I know even as you are viewing this you're going to see the cry and the need and even the burden that I'm sharing with you I know it is something which is so hard but with God he makes a way where seems no way So I just want to encourage you guys even as you are watching this we need your support we need your prayers we need you guys to pray for us and also we need encouragement from you whatever you have seen with your with your eyes let that memory be in your heart every time as you go to your room pray for us and also pray for me that god may enable me to reach more because my calling is to see the change in our city to see that all the street children in our city they are out of the city that they have something that they are doing and even that they can have a home and they can have a family because most of them they are lacking family love most of them they are lacking caring so they need somebody to care for them so that's why i'm telling you that pray for me that the same burden that i have i may continue doing it but i not feel so tired doing it sometimes i feel discouraged sometimes i feel i cannot wake up but when i just try like like not wake up the spirit of god reminds me tell me no you have to go you have to go so i have to to do it so that's what i do so boniface is sent into the streets and you see right there i mean he he knows he he feels called to go and I feel like our challenge today is to be a gathered community on Sundays, yes, but to be an authentic community, to not lock our doors, 
but to go forth into the community to, to be the forgivers, to be the healers, to, uh, to grieve, and to even in our doubt still reach out uh, like Thomas. Uh, to, and Jesus doesn't demand anything from Thomas. He just says, you know, I'm here. And I think that is our call and our challenge uh, today to, to go forth and to be healers in the world. And I hope uh, some of these stories uh, give you a little bit more of a window into who I am, where I'm from, and uh, where I'm excited to see all of us journey together and wherever this takes us. So let's pray. Lord, we thank you for... Uh, your word and for your challenges uh, that we could be bold enough to, to be sent that we wouldn't uh, be fearful but we would be those that uh, would forgive that uh, we wouldn't just be a group of people that gather to, to talk or to blather but that would, we would go out into the world and walk the walk. That we would be a people formed by you, formed by your life, and then sent. And we thank you for this opportunity uh, to be together. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.